Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Memorial. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, hello to you. Hello to you. We got a designated event, the Memorial. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to break down the top three, Rick, because I feel like that's going to be a pretty heavy discussion point on this show and really every other show that covers this tournament. Certainly. I think the only golfers, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, who's not here, uh, Homa. That might be it. <laughs> Zalatoris, but that's yeah, an obvious one. is hurt, obviously. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty strong despite the fact that this is – I mean, we just got done the PGA Championship two weeks ago. We have the U.S. Open in two weeks. This is like the sandwich of all sandwiches to have an elevated event, and it's still it's still going down with basically everybody here. Exactly. And I see uh, I see Brent in the chat. He says, he says, let's go. Summer kicks off now, which is an interesting comment because – I live in South Florida, so it's summer all the time. Is it summer now everywhere else? Like, it's just always hot here. Speaking of hot, uh, before we went hot, Rick, uh, the Miami Heat were a, a discussion point for us. So everybody in this town is on pins and needles because I feel like they know what's about to come and they don't know exactly how they're going to handle it. Yeah, it might be tough. It might be tough in South Florida uh, tonight to be up 3-0. Hey, at least you're the eight seed. At least nobody expected you to get this far. But I do not I do not think that uh, they'll be able to sleep easy. I, I'm with you. First off, Ju- Brent doesn't know what he's talking about. Summer starts June 21st. So that, that is factual and true. It does not start right now. Uh, and I'm with you, Sia. It's 100 degrees in Las Vegas. Like it's. Uh, I, I don't know what winter looks like. Yeah, snow. I don't know what that is, genuinely. Weird stuff. All right, well, let's talk about the golf course. It's gotten some work done over the course of the past couple of years. Troy, if you could share my screen, that'd be splendid. There we go. My website, rickrungood.com. Course key stats model. And uh, see, Mirfield Village is, I mean, it's Jack's place. It's his crown jewel. He is uh, tries to make this, I mean, he designed it basically with Augusta National in mind. He wants it to be a very difficult test. It had gotten away from that in recent years. And then you remember uh, as the 2020 version of this tournament was ending, it, they were literally ripping up greens and getting and getting work done. So uh, they did a lot of uh, restorations and renovations to this golf course. And we played two years 
under those new conditions. And as Jack wanted, yes, the course has gotten more difficult and kind of gotten it back to where he wants the winning score to be. That's right. And it's really interesting because when it comes to difficulty, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues, right? That you're gonna have like right right away off the tee with with water and just the the, the rough being penal, and you know, you're gonna have bunkers, you know, as you approach. And I'm just curious because I see in the model, Rick, we have driving accuracy percentage at a pretty low mark, at least relative to like just the you know strokes gain off the tee, which I understand one is part and parcel of the other. But I'm curious where you're going to go here, because I'll tell you what, when, when we look at this model and I see strokes gain tee to green, I've already looked at the weighted tee to green stuff on Rick Rungood, and I, I'm ready for that. Approaching the green, I see we've got 150 to 175, but as you look down, there's long approaches are very relevant uh, at this tournament. It's the, it, the, the part that I can't get right, that I haven't figured out yet, is am I just going off the tee? Am I going total driving? Do I have a lean towards driving accuracy because of that penal rough? I'm just curious where you stand on that one. Yeah, so uh, especially since since the renovation, what you basically have are wide enough fairways, right? These things, they're not narrow fairways, but the penalty for missing the fairway is pretty steep. So it's not like you necessarily need guys who can hit it down a 10-yard corridor uh, or a 20-yard corridor, but you need guys to keep it like in play, which almost leads me to like good drive percentage, right? It's it's kind mm-hmm. of a, a different way to look at it. So um, there's going to be a lot of different ways to get it done i I think the 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 penalty out of the rough is is pretty significant sia so i would lean uh accurate drivers the longer the better but i don't think this is necessarily an opportunity to bomb and gouge because um you know four inches of of rough and it's still a long golf course and you have to be very precise on the second shot i would actually likely give up a couple of yards to be in the to be in the fairway this week which is um, not the normal stance that I would take. Yeah, and frankly, when you look at the leaderboards, let's just say over the last few years, you, you've got a mix of everything. You've got the accurate guys, and then you got some of the guys that sprayed a little bit. Not they're they're not super accurate off the tee, but they've made up for it in uh, in different ways. So I think it's really interesting. I mean, one thing I looked at again, um, I'm I'm not trying to promo RRG here, Rick, but it's, it's something. <laughs> I was texting you last night. I was like, I'm I'm so mad that you already updated the site with uh, the Charles Schwab stuff because that means I I can't go to sleep yet. Um, but the long story short there is is one thing I looked at was driving ac- or accuracy, but then also um, not just greens and regulation, but distance. But it, I, I didn't really know where the cutoff was, so I made my own cutoff. But I'm looking for guys who can get it out there at least a little bit that aren't super short, but yeah. also have the accuracy built in. Yeah, we'll talk about him. But like Corey Connors, I think is a pretty good like a pretty good model, right? Like he's he's going to just be pounding fairways and he's not he's not short. Right. By any stretch of the imagination. Um, So I think he's a pretty good model. Obviously, if, uh, you know, John Rahm is going to hit every single fairway, he's going to be super uh, dangerous. And it's why he's been dangerous around this place. But not everybody is is John Rahm, which we'll which we'll talk about uh, here in just a second. I will show you the scorecard while I have it handy. So the the work that was done uh, lengthened this place out, specifically on the par fives. The fives started to turn into a little bit of a, a, a rollover where these guys were taking advantage of it. They're, they're now playing much more difficult. So it's 75-71 on the scorecard with a par 72, two fives on the front, two fives on the back. And you see the par threes, both of them on the front, over 200 yards. Uh, the par threes on the back are 180 and 220. So this is, listen, it's, it's not a short golf course. See, like, and that's not just with driver in hand. It's going to be a lot of shots where you were kind of mentioning it. Um, being able to hit 
from 150 to 200 yards, being able to hit it from 175 to 200, things like that, which it's just not a bomb and gouge wedge fest like we get a lot on the PGA Tour. Yeah, that's right. It's definitely so. If you want to look at the buckets, that's that's something you definitely want to look at. I generally, I have this year more than last year, kind of stayed away from the buckets, but I, I, I kind of know who the long iron players are anyway. So I, I definitely, if, you, if you're breaking ties, or maybe I should put a little bit more emphasis on it, certainly wedge play versus you know 175 to 225 that there's a chasm there you're going to want to focus between those two for example uh, on the longer the longer hitters there as we transition this conversation to the cheat sheet i will remind everyone who has uh, funneled in here in the first couple of minutes that the fan vote for the one and done uh that link is now live the link is in the description get your vote in the fans hit brooks and you hit brooks i believe sia at the pga championship and it is uh gotten tighter i believe the fans have surpassed me so they're very much in the mix yeah and you know we got a lot we got a lot of tournaments to go and we got a designated event this week i mean what is it 3.6 million to the winner i mean if you pick the winner this week you are unless you're mark immelman you are because he's in the lead right you are really really catching up to the leader yeah let's hope mark does not find the winner this week so go get your go get your vote in we will do the mega preview pod tuesday 5 p.m eastern time so the votes will be tallied at that time uh okay see we're gonna start naming some names here but first we're gonna take a quick break and hear a word from our partners Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First time purchasers are getting 20% 
off, all you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Here is the cheat sheet and it reveals five golfers over $10,000. Scotty Scheffler, 11.3. John Rahm, 11,000. Rory McIlroy, 10.6. Patrick Cantlay, 10.5. Xander Shoffley, 10.2. I said earlier on my YouTube channel, Sia, that this is probably the most fascinating $10,000 range that I can remember. Um, sometimes it, it, it's pretty clear where everyone's going and pretty clear where uh, the pivots are going to be, but there's elite course history here. There's guys who are the best golfers in the world and inform. Like I, I love the 10 K range. Yeah, this is truly a great range. Uh, you know, I do think I know at least initially where we're going to see ownership. I mean, we've been pretty good about kind of guessing right in terms of, you know, where some of the ownership is going to collect. I, I think it's going to Scotty Scheffler and Patrick Cantley for reasons we're about to get into, but Those two seem to be the guys, I mean, especially when you get the narrative and and, and for the record, it's, it's partially true. I think when you get the narrative that you can be sort of team, no putt um, at the Memorial, I I think that lends itself even more to Scotty Scheffler because we know the T to green stuff is just unbelievable. Scotty relative to everybody else. Like you want to look at Patrick Cantley weighted T to green, let's say the last 24 rounds. It's great, but it's nothing close to Scotty Scheffler. So uh, I just think people are going to want to play Scotty Scheffler. They're going to trust that he's going to be an okay putter. And John Rahm, you know, I I, I don't think, I think it's going to be, I think he's going to be third fiddle when it comes to ownership. Mm. Well, Scotty Scheffler has now amassed 10 or more strokes gained from T to green, which is an insane number, by the way, in seven of his last eight. And the week that he didn't, he only gained nine from T to green. Uh, he has rattled off 14 or 15 top 15s in a row. He's been great here, or at least was great here last year. I mean, Scotty's the guy right now. Um, you also mentioned how Patrick Cantlay is going to be uh, catching some steam here, of course, this week. And, and, and for good reason, Cantlay is playing well. Um, he's been one of the best guys in designated events this year, though he does not have a victory. And Sia, he has kind of the trump card when it comes to Mirfield Village history. I mean, he is like elite, elite here. Two wins. If you want to say he didn't deserve one of them because John Rahm had to withdraw in 2021, fine. But he still has three other top four finishes in the four other years since that. Like, it's just, it's pretty sick stuff when you start talking about can't lay around this place. Yeah, it's interesting because, of course, he didn't deserve to win in 2021. But okay, that's fine. Give him a two instead of a one there. And his history is still 3-2-32-1-4 over his last five years. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And then, Brom, you can make the argument, obviously, not only did he win here, but he should have won the the following year and then 10th last year. So they're all great players. Don't get me wrong. I just think when it comes to these three, especially because of what we've seen the last few tournaments as it relates to Scotty and Rom, that people are going to go to Scotty, people are going to go to Cantlay, and then Rom gets sort of third place. And then, you know, I, I do think Xander and Rory kind of get left out here. I think they're going to, I think it's pretty clear that they're going to be the two 
lower owned of the five. I, I got to be honest, I'm not interested in either of them. I'm not really trying to catch the the ownership leverage there because I don't think it'll be necessarily super extreme. I'll, I'll do my ownership leverage somewhere else. Of the five, though, and I know you didn't ask me this, I, I think I'm going with Scotty. Okay. Well, um, I have a follow-up question to that in a second, but while I'm showing this on my screen here, remember that there was also a second event in 2020 played here at Mirfield Village. It was the Workday Charity Open. It was the event they played the week before. So we played back-to-back weeks at Mirfield Village. It was a rare one-off thing because I think the John Deere Classic was canceled and they were adjusting the schedule. Uh, Cantlay also finished T7 at that event. So like when you look at pure course history as opposed mm-hmm. to tournament history, it actually gets even better for, for Cantlay. Um, the follow-up question because you kind of mentioned you said I think that uh, I don't want either one of Rory McIlroy or Xander Shoffley if I if I made you choose Rory is 10-6 Xander is 10-2 if you had to pick one of them which way would you go it would be Xander Okay, uh, and and it's uh, I'm pretty decisive there. I just don't like what I've seen from Rory. I think Xander's going to at least give me the consistency that he's offered here at Mirfield the last four years, where you know you he's a pretty safe bet to top twenty, and he certainly has the upside to top ten this thing, if not top five. That's certainly what you're looking for if you're if you're trying to roster him, and that's frankly why I'm not trying to roster him because I don't think the the win equity between Xander. And the three guys that we've been talking about, I, I just don't really see it. So between the two, I like Xander. I like the state of his game a little bit more, but I'm not going to end up playing him. Uh, last four years, Xander has finished between T11 and T18 each year at the Memorial. He is the cheapest in the $10,000 range. He's coming off an 18th place finish at the PGA Championship, runner-up at the Wells Fargo, a couple fourth place finishes before that. So uh, form is certainly good for uh, a lot of these guys in the top in the top 10 or the top five, excuse me, the $10,000 range. Uh, and Xander is uh, no exception there. Let's trickle on down the nine K range. Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Jason day, Terrell Hatton, Justin Thomas, Sung JM, Matt Fitzpatrick. What in the world are we doing with Colin Morikawa? <laughs> because it, it, it's been, it's been fine. It's been okay. I don't think it's been great. I don't think it's been exciting. The approach numbers are good as we'd expect them to be. The results are whatever. He's going to get, I assume, a little bit of a bump because he won the Workday Charity Open in 2020 and finished runner-up at this event in 2021. But, like, what are we doing with this guy? Yeah, I'm not really doing anything with him. There's a couple guys I like in the 9K range. I don't think Colin's going to be one of them again. And I'm glad we speak to this on a DFS show. I don't think his ownership is going to be low enough for me to justify playing him at 9,900. Listen, if he was like 9,200, it, it would it would make a lot more sense to try to make it work with Colin Morikawa and let, let's say a 10K guy. But at 9,900, I just, I'm just not super interested. If you want to play the team no-putt narrative, that's fine. Like it, it could work out for Colin Morikawa. But then, you know, he's not exactly long. Like there's just, I, I don't know. He's, but he's done, he's done really well here. So, you know, certainly maybe it's a better course fit than I think, but I don't think I'm doing anything with Colin. I, I hope he's 30% owned so I can just not be involved in this. You know, I, I think I just, I think I want to wait and see, you know, when I saw him at, at Oak Hill, I, I thought, yes, he's still hitting a lot of greens, but it was not as flushed or as solid as I normally see Colin Morikawa 
hit golf balls and it has me it has me worried. So I would prefer like a very high owns Colin where I don't have to worry about it for yeah. for DraftKings purposes. You know, if he was like seven percent, I'd have to I'd have like a really serious conversation with myself. But um, I'm hoping I don't have to get there because I, I I personally just don't really want to be involved. Uh, the rest of the nine K range here uh, I, I think is a little bit more interesting. Uh, how would you allocate your funds up in up in this section? Well, I'll tell you, I've already put out a play on Terrell Hatton at, at 33 to one. I mean, when you look at his stats, it, you know, obviously he hasn't won, at least not lately. But when you look at his stats, you, you would almost think he would be higher price. But again, he's Terrell Hatton, so he's not going to be. I love the finishing positions. I love what he's doing with the ball striking. Granted, it's not the spike of ball striking that you're going to see with somebody like Patrick Hanley. But look at the short game. I mean, the, the around the green play four in a row, putter four in a row. He's smashing it with the ball striking, both on off the tee and, and approach. I, I I not only think he's reliable, but I actually think he's got some win equity here. So I love Terrell Hatton. He's actually he actually rates out fairly well on like longer and difficult golf courses as well. I mean, you can see the the designated event or at least the hard golf course uh, results. You know, T fifteen at the PGA Championship, T three at the Wells Fargo, T nineteen at the RBC Heritage. You go back a little bit further, runner up at the Players, fourth at the API, sixth in Phoenix. Those are all either majors or designated events. Then he threw in the T five at the Byron Nelson as well. So he he's playing some of the best golf that we've seen him play in quite some time. He is $9,300. He has not played this event since 2019 when he finished 33rd. So kind of a, a blank check when it comes to tournament history. Um, is it safe to assume Victor Hovland eats a lot of the ownership here in the $9,700 range? Just a generally uh, popular golfer who's playing great golf right now? You know, I don't think so. I actually think Colin and Victor don't get a lot of ownership. I think the the thing about Victor is he's him and Colin are sort of in a weird range where if you take a if you decide to start your lineup with one of those top three guys, it's really hard to justify taking Vic or Colin. And I think a lot of people are going to start with one of those top three guys. By the way, if you were to roster, let's say Victor Hovland and Scotty Scheffler, it's going to leave you with, I believe right around 7,200 or so, 7,150, 7,200, which is not a ton to work with. And I think the around the green play, even though it's not been horrific with Victor Hovland, that narrative is going to hold for him. And so it's it's going to be one of those things where people are going to shy away from him. And by the way, if you look at his history, I mean, of all these guys in the 9K range, when I looked at Victor, I was like, okay, I can get around the around the green stuff. But I looked at the history and I'm like, man, this guy's not even top 40-ing this tournament. That's kind of strange. Maybe he just doesn't have the eye for this course. Yeah, he did sneak in a third place finish at the Workday Charity Open, but I will I will caution people. Those two weeks, I mean, they played entirely different. I mean, yeah. it, one week was pretty easy. I think the winning score was, I don't know, 17, 18, 19 under par, and then they just absolutely let the golf course uh, go nuts for the memorial and and just beat these guys up. So um, worth, worth mentioning and keeping that in mind. Okay, is... There anybody else here? We've got Sungjae off a very rare back-to-back miscut. We've got uh, Fitzpatrick coming off of a miscut at the PGA Championship. I personally see it. I'm starting to to gain a little bit of steam on Justin Thomas. I think just kind mm-hmm. of the pendulum has swung too far. The narrative has gotten too bad on him, and it's not like if you think Colin Morikawa has an interesting stat profile, you have to think that Justin Thomas has an interesting stat profile, and Justin Thomas has won more recently than Colin has. I totally agree. What's so interesting about Justin Thomas, though, is he's still getting ownership. And I wonder, and, and fi- by the way, I think with Victor Hovland, I think there might be some Victor Hovland fatigue there, too. And so I think that's why, even though he's been, he's done just fine, I think that's why you might get some ownership dropping off of him. But with Justin Thomas, 
you know, he keeps he, he keeps being in the, like the eighty nine hundred range and now he's ninety two hundred. So it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. But he's always getting rostered. We, we, I think the last time he played at, at the PGA Championship, wasn't he like 17, 18% or something like pretty high? Yeah, that sounds right. And, and and the truth is like, I know I want to play. Like, I like I like your argument on Justin Thomas, but hopefully the ownership is, is now going to drop down a little bit. And if it does, I mean, he would be, for example, a pretty great pivot off of what I expect to be a slightly popular Terrell Hatton, if not very popular Terrell Hatton, because I think people are going to want to play him for all the reasons we talked about. So I don't mind Justin Thomas, but if he's going to be like 15, 16%, it's just an absolute no way. And the same goes for, for Colin or Victor Hovland. If I can get ownership leverage in this particular range, I'll probably take it. Uh, but Justin Thomas, we haven't seen it from him yet in terms of the leverage. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that as the week goes on and see what those projected ownership numbers are going to do before this thing locks on Thursday. We will continue this conversation into the $8,000 range and beyond. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey i'm brett podolsky co-founder of the farmer's dog we make fresh food for dogs we started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog jada when she stopped eating ultra processed kibble and started eating fresh whole food the farmer's dog food isn't fancy it's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs it's better for them and easier for you get 50 percent off your first box at the podcast that's the podcast Still some really good names in the $8,000 range here, Sia, anchored by Jordan Spieth at 8900 Cam Young, Hideki Matsuyama, and Sam Burns up top. Then the bottom half is Ricky Fowler, Sahith Tagala, uh, Corey Connors, Wyndham Clark, Shane Lowry, Adam Scott, and Siwoo Kim. So um, I, I think there's a pretty significant drop-off after this. When we get to the $7,900 range, I think I think win equities uh, fall off a cliff. So this is kind of our, in my opinion, last crack to get somebody who could actually win the golf tournament. I agree. I'm going to start in the mid 8K range uh, with a guy who's probably going to be a little popular. I mean, he closed last week so strong. Ricky Fowler at 8,500. I mean, he's been popular for for a lot of people for good reasons. The weighted tee to green uh, is very good. Weighted approach is good. And the around the green play is good as well. So I think Ricky Fowler at 8,500, it's a good price point. It's not amazing, but it's a good price point. I like that. 
Uh, Corey Connors, another guy that's going to pick up a lot. Like, listen, he was only seven or eight percent, which was crazy at the PGA Championship. I mentioned him on this show. I didn't realize he was going to be so low owned. I actually thought he was going to be somewhat popular, but he wasn't for whatever reason. But I think people now have sort of caught on that Corey Connors might actually be like a pretty good golfer and he fits the profile. Uh, he's definitely a good golfer. So, so here's the thing. I never would have played him at 10,100 at the Valero Texas Open. I, right. I, I just think that's pretty insane for a guy who at that point had one win. Now, he proves me wrong and that's fine. But like getting him now for a couple of thousand dollars cheaper, still playing great golf, played great at Quail Hollow T8 there, was in the mix uh, until he kind of you know, faded a bit over the weekend at Oak Hill, but th- this is a good course for him. It's a really good course for him. And the short game's been a lot better. Um, he'll likely keep it in the fairway, which is going to give him a significant advantage over the rest of these guys. Like I mentioned, he's just much cheaper now. Th- this feels like a much better spot to roll out Corey Connors, not needing a win like you needed at 10,100, but just like go finish inside the top 10. Like go, go do something like that for me. That's exactly right. And, and, and for the record, if you're not watching us on YouTube and, and you're not seeing what Rick has put up here, you know, he's gained ball striking six in a row, which shouldn't really be a surprise to anybody. It's Corey Connors. But what's interesting is that he's gained around the green two in a row in three of the last five. And he's gained with the putter in five of the last six. Yeah. So this is not the Corey Connors that that we sort of knew and loved a year or two ago that was going to give it give some back in the short game. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen here. But I really like how the short game is trending. So 8,300, I think, is a very good value. And for the record, I think other people are going to think that too. So be ready to pivot if it gets completely out of control. But but I do like that. Two other names, Rick, sure. that I think are going to be sort of less on the radar than than the the, chalk, the possibly chalky guys I just mentioned in Ricky and Corey. Sahith Thagala. Yeah. Uh, at 8,400, who has good history here. So he might pick up some ownership, but I really like the weighted T to green numbers, the weighted approach numbers around the green. He can absolutely pop. So it's he's got the short game and the ball striking. The, the problem is he is a lot, he is erratic with the ball striking. And so if, if you're going to buy into the narrative that you just want guys that are going to keep it in the fairway, maybe he's not the guy for you. But I do think Sahith Tagala at 8,400 makes some sense, particularly in tournament lineups. And then the last guy, Rick, is Siwoo Kim. I don't know if he's going to pick up ownership. I don't think it's going to be heavy ownership. It's a nice price at 8000 Really good history here. Weighted tee to green looks really good. Weighted approach looks really good. And he is one of those accurate guys that's likely to be keeping it in the fairway. Uh, three straight top 20s, T9 in 2021 for Siwoo. I don't disagree with either one of those. I will um, exercise a little bit of caution on, on Cam Young, which uh, this on paper should be a pretty good spot for him. But I'm worried, if you remember, Sia, we got this Cam Young slump to start 2023, and a lot of it was just these weird big losses in short game categories, which is unlike him. And then he writes the ship and he you know, makes a deep run at the match play, plays well at the Masters, and we think all is good. I think he might have slipped into it again, right? Like he's like, he lost four strokes putting at the PGA Championship. He's He has not been good putting or around the green in his last like three or four. I, I'm like, I, I'm worried that this is something bigger. I'm worried too. I mean, I you know, he was definitely on my radar a couple of months ago, repeatedly. Every tournament he was in, it was it was something that I wanted to play. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to play Cameron Young this week. I mean, listen, he does have some win equity, obviously. Uh, but I... You know, this range, I would rather play like right below him. I'd rather play Hideki Matsuyama right now than I would Cameron Young. 
Uh, here's Wyndham Clark's stat profile if you're looking for that. So misses the cut at the PGA Championship. Uh, not the worst missed cut I've ever seen, but does indeed miss the cut. Had one at Wells Fargo previously. Uh, he's having a great year. It's always interesting to kind of see how guys react after getting kind of that breakthrough win. So we'll see. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens here with Wyndham Clark. But I wanted to show his stat profile. He is $8,200 if um, if everybody starts loading up on Corey Connors. We'll see where we'll see where Wyndham Clark uh, shapes up. That range, Sia, I believe is uh, where I believe we have already spoken about the winner, right? Or we have already, yeah. through, you know, I think it is a pretty significant decrease from Wyndham Clark, Jordan Spieth to Russell Henley, Tom Kim. Keegan Bradley, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Emiliano Grillo's here. He's obviously, he obviously won last week, but you get you get my point. So the 7K range, I actually feel like is where it gets a lot more difficult and where these GPPs are going to be won and lost. Totally agree. And by the way, when, when it comes to the 8K range, it's hard not to like anyone in that range. And I, I point that out because I do think a lot of teams, DraftKings teams are going to start with either Scotty, Cantlay, or John Rahm. And that's going to force them to really maybe go in the 9K range or maybe go in the 8K range, maybe take one or two guys. I think if you wanted to just be risky in tournaments, and you know it, it's tough because the win equity is locked up in those top three guys, maybe top four if you want to include uh, Rory, top five with Xander. But if you were willing to start your lineup in the 9K range, even like the, no, the low 9K range, and you were able to get like three 8K guys in your lineup, all of which have some win equity – um, not only is your lineup going to be probably a little bit different, but you're going to have a lot of guys who are, are really likely to make the cut. So if you do the low 9K ga- game and then three 8K guys, then maybe you can with your next two guys, like the upper 7K, mid 7K range. It's just something to think about. Like, don't always just start your lineup with one of those top three. If you're making multiple lineups, maybe change it up a little bit and make sure your roster construction is at least a little bit different. There's other ways to get different. It's just something I thought of in that moment. Yeah, good good advice there. I mean, this is, uh, I, I actually, again, I said it earlier, like the way that the 10Ks and the 9Ks are, are shaping up, I'm, I'm going to find this to be a pretty interesting ownership week and roster construction week. There's a lot of these weeks, it's like, okay, yeah, everybody's going to do one of mm-hmm. these two things. That's right. And it's going to be decided by two guys in the 7K range. And this week's like, well, there's like six different ways you could start your teams. And then then you got to figure out what you're going to do in the 7K range. So I think it's interesting. And people aren't going to be able to resist their their natural tendencies, which is to to grab that one of those three guys or, you know, whatever it is, like there are going to be those collection areas. And and even on Wednesday night, like there's not really going to be an adjustment. There's going to be a lot of nine K guys that are really low owned. There's going to be a lot of lineups that only have one or two eight K guys in them. There's going to be a few collection areas in the seven K range. So just be aware of that. There's a lot of talent from 8,000 and above uh, in particular. So there are guys that can pop. There are guys that can just take down this tournament that you're not expecting. So if you're making a lot of lineups, you have to factor that in. Um, but back to the 7K range, Rick, a few guys that I think are not going to be hyper popular that I'm just I'm going to mention. One is uh, this is tough because I was big on him last week. He ruined actually a really, really good lineup I had. It was Denny McCarthy. Um, he's at 7,600. Last week, he was at 8,700, I believe. I really thought it was a good time to spring on Denny McCarthy at relatively low ownership. Uh, I will say, though, his weighted approach still looks pretty good. The around the green game is good. We know he can pop with the putter and he's accurate. So he's one of those guys that I don't think is going to have a lot of ownership that I, I don't. He certainly doesn't have win equity, but I do think he has top 10, top 12 equity if if he can be the Denny McCarthy that we've seen before. So I like him a lot. I uh, oh, you do. 
Yeah, I do. I well, I I, awesome. I like the trajectory that he's on. He's still a very yeah. good putter, but he's getting better from tee to green. So you know, uh, Denny had, Denny has always had a very narrow path to the top of the leaderboard because he has to just putt his brains out, and now he still has to putt well, but he doesn't have to do it as well because the rest of his game is getting better and he's not losing that flat stick magic. Finished fifth year last year, so yeah. I and, and besides the miscut last week, he'd been awesome. So yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fair. I thought I was super smart, just like overloading on Denny last week, and it did not work out. And I had, um, I think it was in one in one of the thirty three single entries. I, I had a five out of six, and if Denny had done some damage, it, it had a lot of the, the the players in there that that I needed. But uh, Harris English, speaking of last week, he had a bad Sunday, but he was very good otherwise. Uh, he's gained ball striking in three tournaments in a row. Uh, two of those tournaments, a 12th place and a third place finish around the green play is excellent. If you want to factor that in, which you should to some degree, at least, and the putter can get hot. Uh, so weighted T to green, weighted approach, distance, accuracy. He really actually checks a lot of the boxes. I think we might be getting a deal on Harris English at 7,500. So I will say um, the when, when Harris English is at his best, when he's healthy, when he was, when he won, you know, tournament champions and then he won the travelers, he did it. It, it was like this, just gain across the board, um, be well-rounded, not have to do anything crazy with anyone with any one facet. And that's what he did for a long time. And then he got hurt and was working through a lot of stuff. We're starting to see that again, see it, which I think is, mm. it, it, it's it's exciting. Now, yes, he gains, um, you know, a bunch of strokes on approach by, by making an ace or whatever, but that's, you know, one swing and the rest of his game is rounding into form over multiple weeks. So I, I think it is certainly fair based on what we know about him and, and based on getting back to, his DNA. So he's at 7,500. The other guy that I thought was interesting here in the $7,000 range is, is, is Ryan Fox, who, Ooh. I mean, when you go back to back top 25s at Oak Hill and colonial two pretty different golf courses, like I like the versatility of that. And he was playing well on the European tour um, for a while starting his year. So he's been playing good golf for a long time here. You can see a bunch of top 20s on the on the European tour and then uh, now starting to get his feet underneath him. So he withdrew from RBC Heritage and his his three most recent PGA tour events that he completed were T21 at the Charles Schwab. T23 at the PGA, T26 at the Masters, and he can freaking move it, man. This guy bombs City USA. So this is an interesting sort of case study. There's a lot of guys that I like, and I, I even have like a little a little list right here that that can move it, but that are just not very accurate. And he's one of those guys. If you look, if you go back to the cheat sheet, Rick, and you look, I believe it's 49.3% when it comes yeah. to accuracy. And I just wonder... I mean, his, his greens and regulation isn't bad at 64.4%. Um, obviously, the distance is there. And everything else is pretty much there for him, especially with the ball striking. I just wonder how you factor that in or if you factor that in. I just think that we're at a point on the board where, you know, you're not getting long and straight anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like you're not getting long and straight and another asset. And um, I'm giving up straight for long and good approach play and solid enough around the greens and good form, right? Like I'm, I'm, he does not check off every box, but he checks off enough boxes at this price. And that's how you should play DFS, frankly. I mean, that that's like, that's like classic tournament stuff where you're just playing on the upside uh, more than anything else. So I, I, I hear you on that one. There's two other names that are like more conservative names. I think that won't be super popular. I think KH Lee is interesting at 7,300 uh, weighted T to green looks really good. Uh, you know, he has a little bit more distance than people think. And I think that's obviously going to play. It's, it's not like he's super long, but he has a little bit more distance than people think, which I think is a factor here. 
And then the other guy, and as we look at his profile, I mean, you know, the approach play could be a little bit better. It's, he's 7,300, but the ball striking has been pretty good for him. Yeah. And uh, then, um, has, go has, ahead. So I was just going to say, hasn't missed a cut since the players. Sorry. Who was, who was the other guy? The other guy is a guy I was big on last week, and it kind of was okay. It was Christian Bezadenhout. Uh, he's another guy that off the tee, he's just not going to get it out there. But on approach and with the putter, he's been very, very good. And we see the consistency on approach. It's been excellent. Um, around the green play, a little erratic. But, you know, I, I don't know how much upside Bezadenhout has, so that's my issue there. But he was somebody I played last week. Obviously, this is a different course, but at 7,200, he's somebody I'm considering. Okay, uh, fair enough. I'm just trying to look through the rest of the 7K. Taylor Moore uh, withdrew, so do not play him. He will be removed from uh, the player pool, but I think that's fair. What, what Another yeah. thing to point out about Sebez, uh, that's a lot easier to say, is uh, his history is pretty good. You know, two, the last two times here, I think it's the only two times he's played here, a 37th and a 22nd. Uh, finish and let's see this so you do this so fast so we see how he did it he did a lot of it with the putter a lot of it on approach so that i mean that literally that's the profile i just talked about so i mean i i like how this is kind of working out for him they're not amazing finishes by any means but i meant that off the tee number is just so bad but he he made he lost five strokes off the tee rick and he finished t22 no and and what you said is like this is his this is how he does it this is his dna this is how he plays so like this is not on you i like it when guys play to their baseline like that's what i want them to do that's that's that makes this a whole lot easier it doesn't happen a lot but when they do it's uh it's a good thing it's not like basketball where lebron just puts up 27 7 and 7 every night i i want to ask you about two guys okay. uh one is your boy cameron davis uh, coming off a miscut. And the other one is Billy Horschel, who I'm not going to just tell you right now, I'm not going to play, but has like very, very good history here. Um, all right, we'll start with Cam Davis. This mm-hmm. was a very, very disappointing miscut. He was, he was quite popular. He was actually playing well for a while and then kind of punted it all away on, on, on Friday afternoon. If I were to just look at this stat profile and see somebody who gained two and a half strokes with the ball striking and lost, you know, two and a half with the putter, uh, I, I would say that this is not the worst uh, miscut I've ever seen, especially because it is very much within his range of outcomes. I mean, look at his last five starts. Lose a stroke and a half, miss the cut. Gain 10, finish T7. Lose a stroke and a half, barely make the cut. Gain 12. Lose a stroke and a half. What's he going to do? Gain 11 strokes this week and, and finish inside the top 10? Like uh, that, That's within his range of outcomes. So it's really hard to say that was disappointing or it was out of character or anything like that. Okay. Well, so. what's interesting, Rick, is, and I think I'm in on Cameron Davis. If you look at this profile here, where he gained a lot of strokes total, the players... RBC Heritage and the PGA Championship, all talent-rich designated events, right? So, I mean, I I do think that's interesting. We see the pattern kind of on again, off again, which I'm not really going to like, you know, I I don't really look into that any more than what it already is. But there is something to be said for him elevating his game at these elevated events. Yeah. And then the other one, Billy Horschel, I'm I'm, um, cautiously bullish on. You know, I I think I might have said it to you or I've said at some point, like, I I was with him for nine holes on Tuesday at a practice round. And it wasn't at, at, uh, Oak Hill. And it wasn't very good. He missed the cut. He's starting to putt better again. I mean, he's been in a pretty 
deep slump for a while, but he's starting to putt better again. He's a very, I don't know how to describe it, and it's not based in stats, but he's like a very weird guy who gets up for weird events like the match play and the Zurich, and he takes a lot of like pride in defending. And I, I think there's a weird chance that he can kind of start to put it all together a little bit here. I would, I'm not like buying, I would not be buying Billy Horschel long-term, but I think if I can sneak in kind of buy the defending champion low, hope he gets a hot putter. I I would prefer to do that. I will say this when it comes to him, you you never know when it's coming, but what I did do is, is I looked back, he had a ninth in 2019, 13th in 2020 and first place in 2022. That is an elite track record here, but I did look into his sort of like uh, lead in form coming up to those tournaments. It wasn't anything amazing, but it was a lot better than what we're seeing right now. Yeah, he missed the cut. I mean, he missed the cut at the Charles Schwab before he won this event last year. And he had a 68th at the PGA Championship, which is kind of similar to what he's done. But like, you're right. The 10 starts before that were a lot better than the 10 starts before that that he has right now, which have been pretty disastrous. So it's, I think, an interesting one week only by low spot. And if he burns us, like we never have to worry about Billy Horsher for like a year. <laughs> That's right. I'm out on Billy, but I, I totally respect the idea of, of going to him here because he's got to be comfortable here one way or the other. I mean, it, it's it, the 13th, 9th and 1st is, is pretty great. Yeah. And, you know, he's again, he's a weird guy. And I mean that as a compliment. He is a weird guy and he can kind of turn it on and, and get playing well. Some, some If you meant it as a compliment, you would have said unique, but you said weird. Weird is good, man. Right? Like I don't care. Six thousand dollar range. Yeah. So we've got some names here. A couple of guys who are playing well. Don't get me wrong, but I'll see the stage here. See, where do you want to? Where do you want to spend in the sixes? I am def. I understand this is a designated event, but I'm definitely willing to take some chances in this six k range. There's a lot of guys that I like. Just like last week, there was a lot of guys I liked as well. I'll start with Eric Cole. Um, weighted tee to green looks good. The around the green play is very good. Not super accurate, but again, we're, we're not, you know, we're not necessarily going with super accurate guys off the tee. So it's just something to keep in mind there that I want to point out. But, you know, Cole isn't a guy that I've really been on. Um, and that's to my detriment. There have been a lot of tournaments where he's really popped, but I, I can't ignore what I'm seeing with the weighted tee to green numbers. And I, I like the short game, particularly around the green. So I like him. Um, a guy I played last week, that really paid off for me. And I was mentioned on this show, by the way, Kevin Streelman. He's again in the mid six Ks. I believe last week he was, what was it? 6,600, I believe. Um, I can't remember. Maybe it was 6,500. He's 6,700 this week. Uh, Weighted to the green looks pretty good. Uh, I will say at the Charles Schwab, he did most of it with the putter, but he's gained ball striking in five out of six and has gained around the green in five in a row. So he's not going to give you that, that umph off the tee, but he's just kind of doing it right. The old Kevin Streelman path is alive and well right now. So I like him two other names to mention, and then we can kind of bandy back and forth. Rick, one of your guys, I think he's not one of my guys, but I might adopt him soon. Austin Ekro again, weighted tee to green weighted approach bat around the green, but he, he's got some distance and, and accuracy. That's very good too. And then finally I'll mention Mark Hubbard, uh, accuracy, good greens and regulation, great approach, decent history, recent form is solid. Yeah, actually played great on the weekend last week. I mean, and he's been this, whatever Mark Hubbard has kind of found uh, on approach, he has these couple of weeks where he'll go nuts and he's doing it again. 7.3 on approach at the Charles Schwab, uh, gained a little bit at the PGA, gained four at the Wells Fargo, gained another seven in Mexico. That's his last four. That's 
obviously great. Um, the, the the you mentioned Ekrot, so I lump Ekrot and Justin Suh together. These are two guys that were highly touted out of college, right? Large expectations, and it's taken a little bit longer than uh, I think everyone would have hoped for. But now they're starting to figure it out. Ekrot's been great. Justin Suh is a, a great putter who's starting to figure out the rest of his game. He's got back to back top twenty five finishes at the PGA and and the Charles Schwab Challenge, and he's got a bunch of good results here. Missed the cut at the Byron Nelson, but outside of that, it's been even despite some of the ball striking concerns, he's been able to make the cut and he's been able to play well enough. So those were the two kind of some, some younger, highly touted guys who are starting to play better again. Those are the the two that had my attention the most. I also want to mention a couple guys I had on my list that I didn't mention. I'll mention Shez Reby just because he's 6,200 and Lucas Glover also 6,200. Uh, Glover actually has some, some pretty solid history here and it, it kind of lends itself to the whole team. No put argument, but the guy I wanted, the two guys I actually wanted to mention more than anything are Matthew Naismith at 6,500. And I believe Akshay Batia is also 6,500. Uh, both rate out pretty well for me. Yeah. So let's do Akshay. Because I don't think we've talked about him for a while. Uh, okay, so fourth in Mexico. Okay, so he's made three cuts in a row. Fourth in Mexico, T43 at the Wells Fargo, 56 at the Charles Schwab, hitting it well uh, all over the place with the putter. But that's talk about young, highly touted guys with raw skill sets. Akshay certainly fits into that conversation as well. thought there might have been one more. Sam Stevens has been pretty good. Yeah. 6,500 bucks. I've been playing him. There was something I saw on him that I didn't like. It might have been the accuracy, which I, I I'm probably willing to uh, to forgive. Uh, there was something. It might have been the around the green. It was the around. He's actually really bad. Let, let's look at his around the green numbers because I love Sam Stevens, but this may not be the course for him. Yeah, let's check real quick. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Well, if you like guys that punt it on and around the greens, I got a guy for you. Oh yeah, the putter too. It's that's not great. That's <laughs> no, really not great at all. Yikes. Okay. Well, we've learned. Uh, anybody else here? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, listen, I I think there's some players here. I, I don't know how many 6K guys are going to make the cut, but I definitely think if you're making, let's say you're doing like the $3.20 max, I definitely think there's there's room to make a lot of your lineup. I'm assuming that's not your total budget. If you're doing that, if it is, then you you operate how you operate. But I think there's room and maybe some of those 20 maxes to work in uh, quite a few of these 6k guys and just have a rotation where you have a few lineups that have like two 6k guys, maybe mid 6k guys. And that's going to allow you to do sort of some of those different roster constructions that might have two 9k two 8k guys, but also Maybe you grab a 10K guy and a high 9K guy that, that doesn't have the ownership, then you can still probably go into the 8 and 7K range and then grab your two 6K guys. So I, I definitely think there's some guys here, uh, especially the ones we mentioned that have some upside. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, we will suspend the logic and reason, reason portion of the show. and We will enter the strokes game narrative portion of the show, which is a fun little game we play where you can submit uh, lineups with any narrative that you want and we will read them here on the show so troy let's see where we can start here so rebecca says let's get patriotic for the memorial oh oh my is it these look like uh lyrics sia that are intertwined with golfers names that's right is this uh, like america the beautiful is that the name of the i should know this uh, that sounds about right. So, oh, beautiful for Scheffler skies, for amber waves of day, for purple mountain majesties above Patrick Cantlay, America, America, God shed his grace on Lee. 
<laughs> KH. And crown thy good with coocherhood from suh to shining sea. That's pretty good. Okay. That was excellent, Rebecca. She is making a run at a, at a maybe not the top spot, but she's making a run at a top three spot. She's new and she's been crushing it. And it's Memorial Day. Very well done. That is strokes gain narrative to a T there. Uh, Noah, I believe, is also new, is he not? Wow. Yes. We are spreading, we are spreading the word. Okay. So Noah knows what's going on. He says the memorial is all about milkshakes. That is true. Uh, milkshakes and handshakes. Noah then opts for malt coocher. Bacon day. Have you ever had a bacon milkshake, Sia? I have not. No, neither have I, but sounds great. It does not. It does not sound great. Corio Connors. That sounds delicious. Uh, you go to you go to McDonald's, you get a Corio McFlurry. I like the M&M McFlurries. Straw Billy Horschel. <laughs> Christian Banana How. <laughs> That's pretty good. Excellent. And uh, <laughs> Sep Stracolate. Okay. I think it is that for chocolate, like Stracolate. Oh, Stracolate. I think that's what it is. Yeah, that makes more sense. I was thinking these aren't all milkshakes, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. They're they're close enough for me. They're drinks of some type. Uh, I don't know where bacon comes from in all of this, but I do appreciate. There's got to be a bacon milkshake. I'm sure. I went to one place that had a, a a a bacon flight, so it was like twelve pieces of bacon. Like you get a flight of beer, and each strip piece whatever it was, was different. And they brought it out like on this huge thing. America, the beautiful. Indeed. That, that place probably has bacon milkshakes. Uh, all right, Troy. <laughs> oh, the fantasy bunker. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan says, uh, Oh, whew. I was like, what is he talking about? He's off. So he says Dublin is also the capital of Ireland. So the connection here is that Muirfield village is in Dublin, Ohio. So that's that's the connection here. So here are a few other European capitals, capitals, not cities, capitals. Ryan starts his lineup with Amsterdam Davis. Nice. Paris English. Oh, God, I'm going to butcher this one. Reykjavik der Havland. (laughs) (laughs) Brussels Henley. David Berlingmurth and Stuart Helsinki. Pretty good. Do you know the which countries those are the capital of? And I'm partially uh, talking to the chat as well. All right. So Amsterdam is um, Netherlands. Netherlands. Thank you. Paris, Fran- uh, Paris, France. Reykjavik is like Iceland. That's or, right. Okay. Brussels. Belgium. That's right. Nice. Uh, Berlin, Germany. Mm-hmm. Helsinki, Sweden. Close. Finland. Finland. Yeah. You got it. You got it. That counts. Uh, I knew it was uh, Scandinavian. Brent Harris rounds us out here, and it is not short on emoji. So he says Jack is the gold medal, <laughs> golden bear. Uh, modern PGA Tour players need element slash animal nicknames too so he has done that for us uh how about platinum cat who is that 
I, I actually don't know. I don't know who any of these are. <laughs> Who's the yeah? Wait, cat? what is that? Who's the <laughs> emerald sheep? Who's the pearl hound yeah. and the sterling silver kangaroo? Oh wait, hold on. Um, well, the platinum cat, I guess, could be. You know what he's doing? He's just he's yep. just dishing out nicknames. He's, he's just not he's not assigning the nicknames to any golfer. Brent, you're on probation. You're so on a one week probation. These are just okay. He says they are can't lay platinum cat. That doesn't make any sense. Emerald sheep is Lowry. Sure. Pearl Wolfhound is Powers. Uh, Sterling Silver Kangaroo, Adam Scott. Okay. Diamond sense. Koala, Jason Day, Iron Mountain Goat is Straka. The, these are either the most creative nicknames that are so far over my head, I will never understand them, or Brent needs to go back and redo his nicknames, one or the other. <laughs> probably probably the first, honestly. They're, they're probably great. But. It's the second. But Brent, thanks for always submitting a uh, – he was the one who did the video Strokes Gain Narrative from uh, a couple yeah. months back. No, he is uh, – they're, they're good nicknames. I just don't get the connection to the players. You could be our Sia. You could be our emerald sheep. That's I'm going with that from now on. I'm the emerald sheep. Sia, the emerald sheep, Najad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you, uh, boxers always have good nicknames too. That's right. Yeah, we got to get that. Sugar Shane. Sugar Shane. Iron Mike. Floyd Money Mayweather. Um, anything else? We have pretty much run the gamut here. Well, who's gonna win, Rick? <sighs> It's so annoying. Like Scotty, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, to, I know it's not fun. I actually agree with you. I, I think it's probably going to be Scotty too. Like, what am I supposed to say? The guy, like, I don't know, Scotty or John, probably. I mean, like, um, I mean, can't like, can't like could probably like, it would make a lot of sense for can't like to break through this year here. Right. He's played great. The, the he's like the he's been the best guy without a win this year would not be surprised at all would not be surprised if Justin Thomas won honestly right but I just if you ask me to pick one name I've kind of planted my flag in Scotty Scheffler yeah I'll be like almost like somewhat surprised I'm gonna bet other players obviously I've already bet Hatton but if Scotty Cantlay and Rom if one of those three isn't one of the two down the stretch on the, like on the 17th or 18th, I'll be surprised. That's the thing with Scotty too. Even when he hasn't won, he's been in the mix. He was one shot out of the playoff last week, right? The bad ball striking round you showed us on Rick run. Good was a 12th, a T 12. Like that of all, like the like last nine or 10 tournaments, the bad ball striking one for him was right. a T 12. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go away from that. Okay, we'll be back Tuesday. Mega preview pod, then round by round recaps Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Big thanks to producer Troy. Does all the hard work behind the scenes right there. Sia Najad. You can find him on Twitter at Sia Najad. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.